Folks, welcome to this week's episode of The Boundless Show. Lisa Anderson here with you and a little preview of what's coming up. Hopefully your week has gone well so far. Later on for our inbox, we have a guy who wants some advice on how to pursue a girl who has just come out of a previous dating relationship. So I'm going to weigh in on that. And then for our culture segment, Aaron Smalley and I interviewed the leaders of a group called Forward Women. These are all corporate executives with extensive experience in leadership, and communication, and they're going to offer some practical ideas for succeeding on the job, mostly for the ladies, but you know what? That's just okay. But guys, you can listen in too, because actually a lot of their advice applies everywhere. So they've been there, they've done that, and so you'll learn a lot. And then uh, here we are for our roundtable. So I have got Bree at the table. Hey, Bree. Hello. Good to have you. We have Carrie back from our counseling department. Carrie. Hey, Lisa. Hi. Good to have you here. And Ryan. Hi, Hi Ryan. How's it going? It's going well. So I'm looking over here at Ryan has a water bottle and an energy drink. So he's double dipping uh, for for this one segment to even get him through. He's got double, <laughs> double. A tough topic. It's a very tough topic. It is because we're going to talk about practical ways to find out if you are spiritually compatible in dating. So I think, first of all, we have to define what spiritual compatibility is. And I think we're going to talk around a couple areas today, including just straight up maturity. So when there's maybe a disparity in maturity levels of faith, you know, maybe you're dating someone who's a new believer, or maybe you're dating someone who kind of was just coasting for a long time or hadn't been involved in a church or whatever. Um, And then there's also just like compatibility around like, what are the non-negotiables? What are things that you have to talk through? What are things that you might have differing opinions on? And so we're going to go ahead and break it all down. So I'm looking forward to hearing everyone's opinions here. So, all right. So we have got Bree and Carrie are married. Yep. And so you're going to have to win. Hopefully you, you know, making it across the finish line here into marriage. <laughs> you're you're like, um, actually, we still aren't sure if we're compatible. We're going to have to talk this through. Um, and then Ryan and I are the singletons, though Ryan dating. So he's going to be sharing some experience. And I know a little bit of his story. So this will be fun, fun to hear. So let's start up with saying in relationships, so in, you know, whether it's your current relationship, or it could even be a past example, too. How did the conversation around spiritual stuff come up? And was it like, did you intentionally bring it up? Or was it just kind of like you met at church? So you knew you were kind of on the same page in some things? Or what did that whole scene look like for you? Well, I'd say that I definitely lent more towards exactly what you were saying of like we met at church (laughs) and it was actually more of like a house church so you know indie or something you know (laughs) however you would label spirituality yeah okay great (laughs) yeah but still you know good on their foundations um but yeah that's how i met my husband at least and actually my boyfriends prior to him too i would say were all within christian settings Mm -hmm. and so I don't know that I ever had like a conversation about spiritual compatibility, but it was more of like, okay, I met these people at church. They at least possibly believe the same things that I do. And then as I got to know them more, I would, you know, ask questions and okay. I have a lot more to say, but I want to give and other so, people. <laughs> yeah. But just to clarify on that. So would you say you kind of got to know them assuming that you were on the same page in most areas? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think so. So that helps. All right. Ryan, how about you? My my girlfriend and I we met at work and we you know we were we both work for a nonprofit, uh, but the conversation of spiritual compatibility happened immediately because uh, that was actually one of the big things we were looking at going into the relationship was uh, for some background like I am I'm one of those charismatic weirdo Christians and she <laughs> comes from a like hardcore PCA family. Okay. So we had like the Which is Presbyterian, so gonna be more reformed, mm-hmm. more okay. Yeah, which by clarify. the way, like if it's gonna be a Presbyterian PCA, you know what I mean? Like that's the way to go. Uh, <laughs> Tim but, Keller, y'all. All right. <laughs> we so, have to name drop him. <laughs> so uh so that was one of the first things that we started talking about. That was that was actually a big point in us moving forward. It was like, okay, how do we navigate this? And so we came up with a deal of like, she would go to these Christian business conferences that I 
um, that I really enjoy and where a lot of my mentors are at. And I would go to her, I would go with her to church mm-hmm. at, uh, at her church. And so that was how we started the negotiations. Okay. Negotiations. <laughs> <laughs> AKA <on> that. conversations. <laughs> yeah. All right, Carrie, how about you? Yeah, we had the great advantage of meeting in a small group in a local church. So we knew that we had more than likely doctrinal similarities. Um, one of the things I'll say to that, though, and I, and I, one of the things that really attracted us to one another wasn't just our faith, but how we were living that out, mm-hmm. um, things that we were involved in. Um, I was kind of sharing with these guys in our kind of our breakdown beforehand that one of the things that I noticed was different about my husband, my now husband, uh, when we were just getting to know each other, and I could never really put my finger on it in other relationships, dating Christians, but could never really put my finger on where was this disconnect in us. It wasn't until I started dating my husband that I realized it was that we shared a passion for serving the local church, that mm-hmm. that was the piece that was kind of missing, that you're not just, you don't just go to church, you serve the church. Um, that was something he was already doing when we started dating. Um, that in addition to missions. But I also would say, not just in the beginning of the conversation, but um, is this a part of the ongoing conversation in the relationship? Mm-hmm. I think those are things you're really going to want to look for. Yeah, that's good. Um, It's interesting you say that because thinking back to a past relationship I was in, which clearly did not go well, um, (laughs) I remember having conversations around like talking with this guy about, so are you in a small group? And he was like, well, no, you know, and he was kind of a church attender and whatever. And I remember thinking that it was just constantly like I felt so mom-esque of almost Mm. nagging or trying to be like... (laughs) So what about, you know, he Mm -hmm. would never lead or like initiate with any conversations about that. And I remember it just being exhausting. And at one point he was like, I mean, I guess I could join a small group if it would make you happy. And I'm like, this is not going to go anywhere. This is not okay. I mean, there was no motivation on his part to make that happen. And so that's a good distinction Mm -hmm. of just like, yeah, where's their heart in that? And what are they doing proactively in that sense? So uh, that's really, that's really good. So, okay, so what would you guys say then in having conversations, or maybe even before you really started talking about spiritual things? I mean, Carrie, you kind of made this a jumping off point. What really impressed you about this person's faith? Or did you notice differences or even the way that they expressed their faith differently? Well, clearly, Ryan, you did. <laughs> you did. I, I actually know the girl that he's dating, so I'm like, I can't entirely envision her with um, full-on dance moves and hands in the air at any given mm-hmm. time. So, But there's there's got to be stuff even deeper than that. Like, what really was like, oh, my goodness, this person is quality, and I can I can see this in them. I'll say this very carefully because it wasn't that she didn't have a spiritual foundation, but what more impressed me was the fruit of the relationship. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, she comes from a large family. And so watching her uh, interact with like her younger brothers, for mm-hmm. instance, mm-hmm. she loves her family and she love. <laughs> she would show me like these, these like videos or pictures of like her and her brothers as they're doing like the brothers are just doing like some of the most horrendous stuff. And then she's like, aren't they so cute? And I was like, okay, so, you know, uh, good boy mom type of situation. But she just, she exemplified a lot of the fruit that one would desire from the the spiritual relationship. So while I didn't know all of the, how like how deep it was or how thoroughly researched she was or anything like that, I could very clearly see the love that she had and the joy that she had and stuff like that. And so that was uh, a clear indicator to me that it's like, okay, well, not 100% sure how this is going to line up, but I think this is safe going forward at the very least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'd say that for my husband, I was always I was always so impressed by like the depth of his biblical knowledge. He spent a lot of his early college years in an internship where he was essentially living at a church and 24/7 doing church or discipleship or something. So he like, you know, did 24-7 prayer or did like, I don't know, he always says that his favorite time to pray is at like 3 a.m. when it's like super quiet and the Lord just meets in there so, so easily. Um, But yeah, just the depth of his faith. He also spent some time at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. He did a semester there. And I'm not saying this to like say that you have to have this education to have the depth of knowledge that like I personally was seeking. And I don't think I was seeking that, but I just was super impressed by like, oh my gosh, I could actually learn something from this guy. Like he 
I think that's kind of the point of what I'm trying to say is that he challenged me. He pushed me like I wanted to have that same depth of knowledge of scripture and in my relationship with the Lord that I just so loved that because it pushed me. Mm -hmm. Now, it'd be interesting with you saying that. Do you feel or have you ever had a conversation about him saying like, oh, well, does Brie know enough? Or do I feel <laughs> like, is is she going to catch up to me? Or what? Or was he just okay with that? Like, what, yeah. Are, yeah, what are your thoughts around that? Well, at the beginning of our relationship, we had actually had a conversation similar to that of like, wow, Trevor just knows so much of um, just the, I don't know, I keep wanting to say the word depth, but he just knows so, so much about scripture and just those, some stories that I hadn't even heard before. But what he lacked was something that I had, and that was like essentially being a Christian in the real world. Everything that I did was secular. So I went to a secular high school. I went to a secular college. Like I wasn't in a Christian space being a Christian. I was in a non-Christian space Mm. loving Jesus passionately. Mm. And so what I kind of brought to the table and what he kind of gleaned from his relationship with me was essentially how do I live out my faith? Mm. And so I brought that experience and he Mm. brought like this biblical knowledge and then married it together. (laughs) That's really good. (laughs) All right. Carrie, your thoughts. Well, we're a blended family. My husband was uh, divorced and married prior to me. So we came with very different stories. I really had to apply uh, the scripture from Matthew, it's 7, uh, 16 through 20, that you will know them by their fruits. Mm-hmm. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruits cut down in front of the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. So. For my husband and I, I would say um, the roots were very uh, solid, but we were bearing different fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, our our ministry calling and focus was different, but it was still fruit bearing. And I think that's really a great scriptural application to dating. What's the fruit in their lives? It may look different um, because of your different backgrounds or even different personalities complain to that. But is it fruit? Mm-hmm. Is it fruitful? Yeah. That reminds me of a few of us were talking the other day here at work about, um, and I want to do a future show on this, so stay tuned, (laughs) y'all. The whole concept of like, do you have friendships or do you have family members where you've just gotten to a certain level in conversation with them and you can't Mm -hmm. get any further, Mm -hmm. whether it's just about spiritual things or personal growth or like just going deeper. And some people just can't seem to get there. They just want to talk about, you know, sports or they want to talk (laughs) about snacks or I don't know, whatever. And you're just like, oh, my word, I'm ready to flatline. I feel like I can't really get to know this person. And so I think of all places, man, when you're dating and when you're looking at marriage, you have got to get beyond that Mm because you cannot live the rest of your life with a person that's just so Mm -hmm. surfacey in that Mm -hmm. sense. So I think that's really, um, really great insight. So let's kind of pivot a little bit to the point that I brought up on the front end, and that is, okay, what about like differences of opinion on different spiritual things, Uh, theological differences, or there might just be like differences in worship styles or the type of church that you go to or that you prefer, you know, we have this conversation at my church once in a while of like, you know, what are those non-negotiables versus what are preferences and how do you decide the difference and how do you lay down your preferences maybe for the sake of someone else and at what point uh, do you do that so talk about have there been any tension points in dating or in marriage um, along those lines and what have the conversations looked like for that i think that if you don't have the advantage like Bree and i did of finding somebody within your own church um, i think there are practical things that you need to look for there's the fundamentals of your faith that might be authority of scripture, what do you believe about the Godhead, who's the person of the Holy Spirit, um, who's Jesus, what's the role of the church. I think those are would be considered fundamentals of your faith. I think there are branches from that that are kind of the non-fundamentals are really maybe the sticking points or the talking points, but if the fundamentals of your faith are in place, that's the first thing. Um, you know, my husband and I, when we were uh, dating, I was a Christian social worker. 
Um, and I would say on the grand scale, <laughs> in fact, I would tease him when we were dating, the liberals and the conservatives don't know what to do with me because I, I land somewhere in the middle on some things. <laughs> I will say now that we've been married close to 15 years, there's not a single fundamental issue I think we disagree on. We have grown together. We've, we've grown up under the same teaching. We're reading the same books. We're praying together. We're studying together. We're in community together. Um, and, and I think there was some merging on both sides. But I think in the beginning, you got to be careful. Your experience is coming into this. And, let, and let's not mistake agreement and compatibility. Mm-hmm. You are not going to be um, in agreement on everything. This is one area of life and marriage that you may not completely agree on. Mm-hmm. But are you compatible? Mm-hmm. Do you have the ability to communicate mm-hmm. some difficult things or some things that you might be passionate about? Can you communicate about those things in a really healthy way? That's mm-hmm. what's really uh, a skill. Yeah. And it seems to me it's almost harder or more confusing when one person, you know, because I've seen this before in dating couples where the one person is just like, oh, I don't even care. I just love Jesus. And then you're like, okay. But then you know that when some decisions are made down the road, some, you know, loving Jesus is going to have different (laughs) explanations around that and whatnot. So it is, yeah, you almost want someone who's like, yeah, you know, I've really thought about this and I'm, you know, but again, holding things loosely that need to be held loosely. But yeah, other thoughts on that. Yeah. So I think one of the key factors (laughs) to this is, and, and I'm, I'm, gonna tr- I'm not trying to get sexist here, just so everyone knows. You're I'm at, at a the table, table of women. I yeah, I'm at a table it. of three women. So I'm we'll gonna decide to... whether or not yeah. you're being sexist, uh, Ryan. But to the guys, you really have to know what you know. And a little bit of conflict is actually great because it forces you to know what you know. But, you know, in the Bible, it talks about a man being a spiritual head. And a lot of guys have, I think, an untested faith. And so they don't fully know what they know. And there is going to be some merging that goes on and there is going to be some hard conversations. But my advice to the guys is you really have to be solid and you have to figure things out and you have to take it seriously because it is your duty as a man. And if this leads to marriage to be the spiritual head. And I think a lot of guys go into it, not super worried about it because, Oh, the wife will just come to do what I want her to do. But I think, you know, the first qualification of being a spiritual head is you have to love your wife as Jesus loved the church. So in that, if, if you know what you know and what you know has been tested and you're able to stand by that, then to a degree, there will be some submission, but it's not something you should expect. It's something you should earn by being well-founded, well-grounded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know that's kind of like a really long roundabout answer, but um, my advice is just to the guys, know what you know and get it tested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think in that, like recognizing that one of the greatest hallmarks of leadership, too, is being that person who is humble and teachable Mm -hmm. on all fronts as well. Mm -hmm. I think uh, I think a lot of guys err on the side of knowing a lot, but then their application of it is done poorly and their hearts are (laughs) terrible. I think you said guys when you said that. (laughs) (laughs) I was just saying guys because, you know. Guys. No, oh, yeah. Yes. no, it's guys. It's guys. Yeah, for <laughs> no, sure. Both and both and. But um yeah, no, I think I think that's great. A good good thought around that. So what would you say I mean just straight up because I also wanted to make the distinction that disagreeing on things, there are things that maybe aren't essentials of the faith, but they still could be deal breakers in a relationship if there's something that really would cause a lot of conflict around you know, maybe even something beyond a, a preference, but something that's just really like I am I am passionate about this aspect of doctrine or I am and it doesn't mean that you can't have fellowship with other believers who believe differently, but when you're yoking yourself to someone else, I mean that could be tricky. And I know a lot of people write to Boundless and ask about like, okay, well, you know, what about, you know, to to Ryan's point, like charismatic churches, or I'm uncomfortable in this church, or what about infant baptism versus immersion, Mm -hmm. adult, you know, believers baptism and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I think conversations around all those things have to happen, although it can be awkward because you're like into this person and you're like, Mm -hmm. well, let's just start talking about baptism. Mm -hmm. I mean, that could be kind of a... It's a common date topic. Yeah, exactly. It's actually one of our top 25 date questions. (laughs) Just kidding. It's not. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it is is weird having conversations around stuff that seems kind 
kind of deep and could seem like people could get petty around it. Mm -hmm. But I think at some point, you know, spending the rest of your life with a person, you have to decide what that looks like. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, because you're being hooked together like no other relationship. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's like, you know, there's strong brotherhood and there's strong sisterhood. But when you're married, that person knows you Mm -hmm. and worships with you and is part like the Bible says, like they are part of your like you become one flesh Mm -hmm. and you worship together. Like that's something very important. And so what I would, I guess my suggestion would be like, if there's something that's very important to you that you're refusing to give up, the question is, why is that important to you? Mm -hmm. And if you're able to answer that with a succinct defense, then get that question out first, second, third date. If you're a little awkward, make it second or third date. But (laughs) I mean, the first few dates should really be looking for reasons to not date Mm -hmm. and get out of there quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what would you guys say, like taking just straight up like scripture out of the equation and and like Carrie was saying the essentials of the faith and everything that we know like who is Jesus and whatever for you guys personally what would you say is one of the most important things uh, on the spiritual sphere to look for in a potential spouse so kind of in, in that area that you would say you know maybe some people can disagree on how this would play out but for me this was just incredibly critical I think for me, it goes back to what my observation was in my relationship with my now husband. Are you laying down your life for others? Mm-hmm. Is this just what you believe? Are you laying down your life for others? Mm-hmm. Because um, that's going to play out in every decision you make, every yeah. financial decision you make, how you raise your family, where you live, how you spend your free time, mm-hmm. um, and how you spend your resources. Again, when I saw that in my husband, that he was already doing, that wasn't something I was teaching mm-hmm. or modeling. That was something that I saw, and I thought, yeah, I can yeah. give this guy a chance. Yeah. I'll, I guess I'll just piggyback onto yours, Carrie, because mine would be similar. The, the idea I would I already alluded to it of being humble and teachable right. mm-hmm. and being a person who is in accountable community. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people who want to be lone rangers in their faith and think that because they have read every book that there is to read mm-hmm. and they've podcasted every person and listened to every sermon, like, no, it's just me and Jesus. We're good. I can do <laughs> this. And I'm just like, no, you can't. Mm-hmm. So let's, you heard that first here. Maybe. <laughs> but yeah. How about you, Bree? I think my... My kind of non-negotiable maybe is I wanted my husband to honor me as a leader, not like in the leader of our family, but recognize that women have incredible giftings that maybe men don't. And I just really wanted my husband to like see that in me and, you know, maybe push me to pursue that, like in leading small groups or something. But not in the way of like not submitting to my husband, but I'm thinking like along the lines of more of, I wanted our marriage to really be a partnership. Mm -hmm. And it is that because he honors me, he honors my faith, he respects me, Mm -hmm. which I know that scripture often says, I mean, not often, it does say Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, wives respect your husbands, but it doesn't mean that women don't also need respect. And I think that my, my skill in leadership was something that I wanted respect for in my spouse. Yeah, that's really good. And it reminds me of what boundless friend Gary Thomas says, where I've heard him say it in several different contexts, where he talks about any institution or any group or any society always does better when women have a seat at the table Mm -hmm. in a a unique and an Mm -hmm. affirming way. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's great. I guess to me, it would be um, how serious they take it. How much does it influence their life? Mm For me, Christianity is something that isn't just like I go to church and I'm I'm a Christian and that's it affects almost every thought I have. Now not brushing my teeth, like is the common example, but like when I look at any major issue, any like when it comes to purchasing certain things, I it goes back to, okay, I'm a Christian. How does this line up with the Bible? And there are many things that I've had to be like, oh, man, I really want that thing. I'm not going to listen to that. There's many bands I love that I don't listen to because like, oh, this band is actually uh, trying to summon a Cthulhu monster. And so all of their songs are considered worship songs mm-hmm. to this ancient horror. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm, okay, I'm not going to participate in that. Mm-hmm. And so how, how serious, does how deep does the gospel go? Mm-hmm. How deep does the word go in how it influences your opinions how it influences your actions, how it influences your worldview. Mm-hmm. And I, to me, that was not something that could be casual because I'm not casual about it. And there would be a lot of unnecessary fights if I was 
about to enter into a, a sacred covenant with somebody that that was a casual thing. We would be at odds constantly. That's good. You guys, great thoughts. I think this is really helpful and practical, and it's encouraging just to know that people are walking that out as well and thinking through these things. So thanks so much. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Lisa. And you are the song on my lips every morning. You are faithful in every way And I would declare that your love lasts forever And I need to worry my eyes fix on you Cause you have my heart All of my life I will lift your name on high, King of all, King of all. Cause you are my strength, the beginning and the end. And I will seek you every day, King of all. Come on! All right, well, for this week's culture segment, something a little bit different, uh, not only because we have amazing corporate boss ladies in the studio, um, and you'll hear a little bit uh, from them uh, here in a moment, but also because I have the privilege of kind of co-hosting this segment with our own Erin Smalley, who uh, many of you know, Greg Smalley, our VP of Marriage here at Focus on the Family. Erin is his wife. She's a licensed professional counselor and, uh, and in marriage expert relationship expert. And so, Erin, it is super fun to have you here with us. It's so fun to sit next to you. Woo woo. It's so great and, to, and to be here. We're actually podcast. co-hosting. This yes, is fun. Yes, I kind of like this it. This is exciting. So, um, but because we don't want to just yammer on about ourselves, yes. which we also love to do, um, we thought we would invite three other fabulous women to the table. And this is kind of, we're having a little uh, cohort here at the Focus on the Family headquarters with some women who are involved in an organization called Forward. Forward is the only global organization for Christian women in the workplace led by women. Mm. And so super awesome. These women are um, leaders in their field, but also trying to represent Christ, live out their faith, walk uh, within their families and within their friendships and their churches, and uh, kind of navigate that space in so many different ways. And mm. so um each of you ladies, I, I mentioned there are three of you at the table. Would you just give a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself before we get into all the questions that we want to ask you? So Pam, why don't we begin with you? Sure. Well, Lisa, we are so thrilled to be here and we are grateful for all of the team at Focus on the Family for having us at this beautiful location. Mm. Um, my name is Pam Johnson. <clears throat> I am the COO of Forward, uh, formerly 25 years at Nike. And the one thing we like to say at Forward is that we like to provide resources for Christian women in the workplace that they cannot get at work. And I'll tell mm. you, I sure wish I had those resources for my um, entire time at Nike. Mm. <laughs> That's pretty Amen. great. Amen. Hi. I am, thanks, for, first of all, for calling us fabulous. Yes. I really do appreciate <laughs> for that. For sure. Um, my name is Heidi Rasmussen. I am the chairman of the board for Forward. Uh, I spent most of my career at JCPenney for 27 years in executive leadership. And then I moved into entrepreneurship and I own a company called Fresh Bennies, which is an employee benefit company. Mm. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if I should be here. Yeah. Women. You have a great uh, yes. blazer on, yeah. so we're going to let you oh, we're going to let you stay. Coffee. Thank you so much, Lisa. Um, my name is Catherine Tack and it's such a pleasure to be here. I can't tell you I listened to Dobson while I was, you know, had my family and uh, I am an executive and transformational leadership coach. And how I did that was I had a business of my own as a CEO of 14 restaurants for about 17 years and built that company. And then people would ask me, how did you build this company? And that's how I began my coaching business when we sold it. So uh, I just love Forward because I'm a board member there now and have done some amazing platform work that to help other women. And that's what I'm all about, it's about leadership. 
Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. We have a wealth of knowledge sitting at this table. (laughs) We do. Super exciting. Yeah, that's great. Okay, well, I do want to say, you know, I know for both of our audiences, um, Aaron's show as well as my own, we do have guys listening. And so, guys, I want you to say just chill. Um, It's (laughs) there is something. This is a great opportunity for you to listen in. And as we talk about um, some things specific to women, maybe. But you know what? As they interact with you, uh, you better figure out how you're interacting with women, both in the workplace and at church and whatnot. So there's something here for everyone. And I want to kick it off. I think this is a question that for my audience, ladies in particular, comes up all the time at Boundless. And I would love to get your insight on it. And that is this idea that um, we have been told in our culture, kind of, I think a lot of women are very assumptive about you can have it all. Be all. I mean, what girl hasn't been told that she can be president? Um, I feel like I was told I could be president. I felt like I nipped that in the bud pretty early on. <laughs> it was kind of like I could. I was told I could be an astronaut, and I was like, okay. "Let's get real." Um, first of all, my eyesight is too bad for that. So, anyway, but this idea of you know, I've also heard it said well, maybe you can have it all, but maybe not all at the same time. Or what does it look like to prioritize or whatever? But so for the young woman who is listening in whatever context, and she's saying, well, I currently have a career. I went to school. Maybe I got a graduate degree. Maybe I'm working right now, whatever. Um, I want a career and I love my, my job, but I also want a family. I want to get married. Am I going to have to choose? What is this going to look like? How do I navigate the space without getting super duper judgment from my parents or other people who maybe navigated the space differently? What would be your advice to her? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I think the whole idea of can I have it all comes down to what does God want for you instead Mm -hmm. of what do I want for me and can I have it all and what can I do? It's like getting really focused on Him and what He has for us and dialing into, Lord, what do you have for my life and how do I navigate with mentors and with people in my life to figure out what it is that you have for me? Um, And Because when we do His plan, it's always right and it's always going to be perfect. So can women have careers and families and um, be in C-level uh, workplace? Yes, absolutely, because we've seen it happen all the time. Can women stay at home and have babies and be so excited about being moms? Yes, we see that all the time. And nothing's nothing's wrong or right. It's just what does God have for you and what what is he um, what does he want for you? I always say you can't steer a parked car. So like if you just put your foot on the gas and ask him and just make a move toward wherever you want to go or wherever you're feeling him lead you, he will get you there. Mm-hmm. I think it's also important that you uh, take time for yourself to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, what matters most to you, God first or what? And when you start stopping long enough to really think it through, if I was sitting here five years from today, what would be most important for me to do that I would feel really good about my progress with God and with my family and with my career and just enough time. And I'm not talking about a lot of time, but to figure that out so that you go in the right direction. Mm -hmm. I love what Heidi said, though. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The thing that strikes me is that God put all different kind of people on this planet, all ages, um, you know, all genders. And I think that we sometimes we get so maniacally focused on work, we cut out all the other things that actually help us to balance our life. Mm -hmm. I know that the term work-life balance isn't um, isn't used anymore. It's work-life integration now. But I do think that there is a balance in relationships. Um, I love the quote that somebody said that God never intended us to carry the weight of the world in our back pocket like our cell phone, which that really just means that we don't need to be heads down into everything going on in the world today. We need a balance. And clearly at work, um, I think the best employees are those with the best type of relationships outside of work, right? Mm. Because then when you come to work, you give your whole self. Um, I, you know, you think about, we don't want our employees working 24 seven, 365, because they don't have anywhere else to go. So I almost think that God created us for relationships. He created us for connection Mm -hmm. and he created us for, for community. And that doesn't just mean 
community and connection within the workplace. Mm -hmm. If anything, you know, we think about when we develop people and we lead people, those experiences that you bring from outside of work are what makes, you know, it's like working outside the box. It makes the whole organization, um, it elevates the whole organization. Mm -hmm. I love a theme that I hear from all each of you is that it, it we're all called to something different. And especially what you were saying is that you know, as you really tap into God, where is he leading you? And I love because sometimes I think there's this opposing force, like, are you staying at home? Or are you working? Or are you building a career? Or are you? And what I hear you saying is, what's God calling you to? Exactly. And it doesn't have to oppose. Yeah that we can all come together. Yeah, and in my life, I'll give a real life example. When I was at JCPenney, I started there when I was 15, worked my way through high school, college, and then got into management. And then every like year and a half, they'd tap me on the shoulder and say, we have a new job for you. And here's the next job, and here's the next job. And I felt like I was just like going, okay, I'm gonna, okay, I'll do that. Okay, I'll do this, because that's where they told me to go. And I never really thought, what do I want my life to actually look like? in the future. Mm -hmm. And so I'm 55. And this is the first time I'm saying, what do I want 60 to look like? Mm -hmm. And what's my five-year plan? And so I would just say as an experience share, um, if you're 25, what do you want 30 to look like? If you're 20, what do you want 25 to look like? And be intentional about thinking about the 10 areas of your life. What do you want your finances, your family, your faith, your mission in life? What do you want all of those things to look like in the future? And then come up with a plan and really be intentional about it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was saying about reflection is that um, if you don't, I'm sorry, you wanted to say something, Lisa? No, you go ahead. But um, people ask me all the time, what is the will of God for my life? And I I take them to the scriptures because what does Jesus say? We know what he says. He says, run the race to the very end and never give up. Mm -hmm. And keep your eyes fixed on me. And to make every effort to show yourself worthy of the calling for which I have called you. And put on the full armor of God because you need to have that every day. And be imitators of God. Therefore, live a life of love and be filled with Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit. I mean, I could go on and on. Guard what is invested God has put into your hands. So guard that. And to keep your head in all situations, uh-oh, you know, I got to keep my head in all situations. Oh, man, and we're really getting personal here when you think about it. You know, endure hardship as discipline. Those, when I think if we could do those, really, that we give all of that to God, then he'll take care of all the rest if we just handle our behaviors and lead ourselves well. For him, I think that will take care of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. High five, Catherine. Right. It's a, that, was, that was really good. <laughs> yeah. It's um, so interesting to me. I mean, I feel like I hear from young adults so often who are struggling with kind of perceptions maybe that their parents or grandparents have given them of like, you just kind of like what Heidi was alluding to. You just show up, put in the time, you'll get promoted. You'll Well, meanwhile, they have massive school debt. Right. They're yes. in the gig economy where they're having to take on side jobs. What would be your advice to a young adult entering the workforce or new to the workforce of, you know, Heidi, you kind of started the conversation of uh, how to make priorities, how to look at, you know, really what what is God calling me to do in the workplace, but how to navigate the space well and kind of set that trajectory for themselves in in really navigating career in a way that's uh, helpful for them. I would say that anytime anybody's graduating from high school or college, I'm not trying to plug anything. I'm just saying I give them Diane Pattison's book (laughs) called Work, Love, Pray, because it is all about that. It's like so many women have read it in their like 30s and 40s. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I wish I had had this book when I was graduating from high school and college to think about what do I want my life to look like? How do I want the Lord to lead me in my life? But I think for any of us, it really is. It's the same things. It's about being consistent and intentional with your learning. Um, you don't when you get out of college, you don't you're not done learning. Mm-hmm. You have to continue on that pathway and continue on asking the Lord for his um, input. And where does he want you? What does he have for you? And getting the mentorship, getting into community, like with people at Forward and other in your church and all of those things and surrounding yourselves and being consistent about your learning and the people who are feeding into you to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Can't mm-hmm. do it on our own. Yeah, we don't have to do it alone because as you were saying that we're created to be connected and we're created to be connected at that deep heart level. Um, God put that in each of us. Mm-hmm. 
And so that community piece is so important. Mm -hmm. I think Heidi touched on a word that we all know and love, and it's the word mentor. Mm -hmm. Um, But I want to, I think sometimes there can be uh, an older generation connotation to a mentor. Mm -hmm. If you tell an 18-year-old, you need a mentor, they might think, oh, that's something that my mom had or that my grandma had. Mm-hmm. But whatever word you use, I think that we, we've we talked um, to all day today about the importance of having, particularly coming uh, throughout your life, going into high school, coming out of high school, going into college, coming out of college, going into your first job, to have a wise, call it what you want, a wise mentor that will walk alongside you and help you to navigate um, to, to navigate the career so that you don't have to do it alone. How many people do we all talk to, um, kids coming out of college or, or high school or college that don't have mentors, that have never had a mentor, that don't even know how to get a mentor, or that don't quite frankly even want one? Mm-hmm. I don't know that they understand, they don't know the, the benefit right. of, mm-hmm. of having that, that like-minded person to walk that completely advocates for you that will help you navigate that pathway that will open doors that will close doors and open doors um it's really it's an incredibly powerful thing and you know forward provides a mentor program i know you guys are heavy into mentoring and there's there's mentors out there um i would just highly advocate for anyone that's lost in that particularly in in their career, because that's really the forward focus. Find a mentor, find somebody that you trust that will walk alongside you and not let go of you. Mm. So how would you recommend a a person approaches a potential mentor and doesn't ask? Because I think it's, uh, you know, it's pretty hard to go up to someone that you see in leadership and be, you know, you're afraid that they're going to be like, oh my goodness, this person's going to glom onto me for 30 years and I don't want that. Um, Or a lot of people think, well, what do I know? You know, I don't know that I could really be a mentor. So how how can a person make a an easy kind of uh, easy entry ask of just hey you have stuff i'd love to learn you know the first thing that i think about is when you ask the other question is i think young people just need to learn to be themselves to be very real and think about what is it that will get back to that is important to me so who that do you see as a role model that you want to emulate and Actually, when people come up to me and ask me to be a mentor, I feel very privileged that they would Mm. even want to ask me to mentor them. And I would take any time to ask, answer any question that they would want to ask me, take the time and the effort. And I think if they're coming to me, that means they're really serious about it. So I wouldn't be afraid at all to come to people because people you know, in the mentorship program, we love it. Mm-hmm. We love that young people want to grow and learn and we want to pass our principles on or the thinking or the, we want to learn from them as well as they yeah. learn from us. So so I have a question then, because I would love for you guys to speak into um, my situation as well as I know that many will relate to it as a wife, as a mom, and as a friend, as a daughter, all those different hats we, we wear as women. How do you manage that? How What have you found helps you to manage all those different roles? Because even like the thought of, oh, now I need a mentor. Oh, my word, where am I going to get time for that? How do you do it? How did you do it? What were your keys? What were your, what's your best advice? I use Evernote and Excel. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it's interesting. I, I've been very, 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 very blessed with incredible friends over my entire mm, life. And is. I think you Catherine have. will tell You're you that um, for me that that's probably the answer, just like-minded women that have been my dear friends that will help me make a decision. Do I take this job? Do I mm. not take this job? Do I have another kid? Do I not have another kid? Do I, you know, do I uh, leave this job? Or just all those questions. The key word of those friendship groups is connection, it's connectivity, it's community and connection. So to find someone, and that's sometimes hard to say because some people don't have access to those friend groups, but to just find a connection with somebody that you trust. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's probably, it's interesting, these young kids today, they, you know, we say that they're the least connected that they've ever been, but that's human connection, right? And I, I, it's sad to me that somewhere along the way, 
that ball's been dropped, that the power of human connection is so important. Um, so, you know, to your point, how would you approach that? I think in our program, the onus is on the mentee to drive the relationship. So you have to be the one to take a little bit of initiative and go up to someone and say, hey, I don't have a mentor. I don't really have a friend, but but can we, can we connect? I'll take the first step. I'll help guide and direct us, but I would like to take that first step of meeting somebody that I can trust and that can trust me as I navigate the, these waters. But you were mm-hmm. talking about friendship and that when I had 14 restaurants, three children, my husband, how do I navigate mm-hmm. all of that? Mm-hmm. All those demands is I had a couple of friends that I could meet with who were like-minded and I asked, could you get together early for breakfast with me to connect and to pray? Mm-hmm. And I picked the friends. But over the long haul, friends changed. Mm-hmm. Actually, as I got uh, more and more into my business and everything, friends changed where I needed somebody different to give me advice or to step into my life in a different way, to challenge me, to pray with me in a different way. And so they became friends across the country on the phone and now on the Internet, of course, and on your app and on your phone. But um, when I think about Pam, she is the friend that gives to all friends. Mm -hmm. And there are people like that in the world that you need to just ask, you know, could you be my friend just for today Mm -hmm. so I can let down and kind of have a safe place to just talk about my concerns and needs? Because when I think about it, though, not only friendships, but you do have to carve out time to just, even if it's, I tell my clients, in the morning, if you get up at 4.30 in the morning to work out, do a five-minute, get on your knees by your bed, mm-hmm. slip down on the floor, just say, Lord, I give you the day. Yeah. Mm. And start your day with him. Mm-hmm. If, if that's all you can do, and there were many, many times mm-hmm. with all the employees I had and a pager on my back and people calling me and my kids there, I would just get on my knees for five seconds and say, Lord, this day is yours. Please give me the wisdom and discernment that I need in order to navigate today, just to have the strength to do what I have to do. And that will give you the strength and impetus to get up the next morning again and do the same thing. Mm, That's exactly what I was going to say. I love that so much. Even the five minutes. I was at at the Executive Women for Christ event with Forward two years ago, and somebody was speaking, I think it was Nicole Martin, was talking about how do you leave the edges of your field um, like the the verse in Leviticus, are you leaving the edges of your field available for others that that the Lord wants you to serve in your life? And then someone else got up and said, what about the edges of your calendar? And I went, oh my gosh, like stake through my heart. Mm-hmm. My calendar is booked all day, every day. And throughout the rest of the weekend, I heard the Lord say, make margin for me and I will take care of the rest. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't mm-hmm. just... It was my rest, my physical rest, and also the rest. I will take care of the rest. If you just give me a few minutes of your day, and even if it's five or whatever in your calendar, make margin for me, I'll take care of the rest, and that's how we balance it all, because he can do it. We cannot do it, but he can do it in and through us. Well, you know how Moses and Joseph, and they had stones that they had a remembrance place, you know, that they built to God, an altar. And I found a chair when they were little where I would go to because I'd have a little corner chair. In my living room, I had a place next to the dining room table at five o'clock in the morning that I would just lie down before the Lord and say, Lord, this whole thing is yours. I can't do it all, Mm -hmm. you know. And it was like an altar. And in the beginning, it was obedience, but then he would wake me up. I'd hear his voice, Catherine, and he'd be calling me to get to that altar with him. Mm -hmm. And he had been sitting there all that time waiting for me. And then the rest of the day, I was running and exhausted. And um, so I I just love that, right, Heidi? I just love Mm -hmm. that. So what I'm hearing is such a key is connection with him first Mm -hmm. and then connection with each other. And that we, he will give us everything we need. I love that. He'll take care of the rest. Yes. 
He'll find you the mentors. Him. He'll yeah. he'll help uh, you through your day. He'll do all the things and and stop the bring guilt. Bring them into your life. Yes, too. totally. Bring them right, exactly. They'll walk, they'll walk he, right they will into walk your right life. up, and you'll be like, "Oh my gosh, how did that just happen?" <laughs> oh yeah, because I've been I asking for it. Ones. I forgot that he do, he does answer mm. my prayers. Mm. But and then there's so much guilt among women too. Is like, "Oh, I'm not doing enough, and I'm not spending enough time with him," and just stop. Like he doesn't want you to think about I'm not doing enough. That's the last thing he wants. Is like spend the five minutes. Mm. And connect with him in real, in a real way. And some days it might be a half an hour, and other days you might get two whole hours away from your kids and your family. But <laughs> but um, don't be guilty about it. Just do what you can do and trust him for the rest. Yeah. Mm. So I have kind of an elephant in the room question for as we're talking about women in leadership, specifically Christian women in leadership. I feel like I hear this a lot, especially among younger generations or as they're involved in the church, the whole idea of like women's roles or women, you know, like, it's okay for women to be in leadership, but should you be the top dog? Or what does that look like in the home? I think this plays into marriages of like, what's your conversation with women around maybe them being the top earner in their marriage, or maybe being the primary earner in their marriage? Do, is there a lot of guilt or a lot of conversation around, you know, how they're experiencing maybe life in Christian community of like, oh, should you be doing that? What does that look like? Step back where, you know, how, I mean, because that's an awkward Mm -hmm. thing for Mm -hmm. Christian women Mm -hmm. who may feel put upon that, like, I don't know, you know, is this biblical? What's up with that? So talk a little bit about that. Mm. I might be in more progressive circles. I don't hear it as much. And I grew up in at JCPenney. It was a lot of women in leadership with men who stayed home with the kids or who had um, maybe more of a, an eight to five blue collar job. And, and she was working like crazy hours. And so I heard I've I've had less of that. And I don't hear it a lot in the forward community groups when and we're around. And I see around. so many men supporting women yes. in the home. Totally. And also they just want their wives to thrive and yes. to use their gifts. Yes. My husband was really, I mean, mm-hmm. honey, go for it, go for it. You know, so I was used to that kind of thing. And so are my children, my girls. And so they've but I, I have not heard as much as that, and I would agree with that. Heidi. Maybe it's going away a little bit. Know. But yeah, I sure I, did growing up. So. I don't hear as much as maybe my parents' generation yeah. did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I definitely think it's much more. I think mm-hmm. in the church world, though, you will hear that yes. more. Like at yeah. some of the churches that mm-hmm. I go to in the church world where women might feel a little bit more you can't teach mm-hmm. or speak or that kind of thing mm-hmm. that that is in the church and mm-hmm. so i think you hear more of that in uh, maybe biblical uh, leadership when yeah. it comes to leadership women leadership and or maybe it comes into play a little more when kids come into the picture because i feel like where yes. i hear it a lot is like okay well she you know maybe someone in my audience um she's now a surgeon and so then it's like who's gonna stay home with our kids how are we gonna make that call that decision and as a marriage and family counselor i hear a lot of that but usually what it is is it's a misunderstanding of what god's word even says right what does submission mean what does leadership mean and what i love is that you know, I often say, you know, it doesn't mean that there's a hierarchy here. We have different roles mm-hmm. and, you know, we're teammates in marriage. And so I, I love what you're saying that you're not hearing that as much. I, I think mainly what I hear is a misunderstanding mm-hmm. of what it really means. Yeah. And I think in general, women probably get a little bit more pressure as far as within the church of you know what is your role and there's a misunderstanding and a miscommunication also family background and Mm -hmm. how it is played out in the family that they're coming from or you know cousins and Mm -hmm. nephews and aunts and we come to the dinner table we talk about things at thanksgiving that you know get a little heated and uh, then you have conversations with friends that think you know differently so they bring up these conversations to find out what the real answer should be you know Mm -hmm. But I see men really partnering with mm-hmm. women quite mm-hmm. a bit, and they're having that conversation together as to how to play it out. Mm-hmm. You know, what, mm-hmm. what is going to work in our marriage and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One other question I would love to ask you, ladies, is I think it's often assumed, sometimes by women, sometimes by others, that 
to show up in the workplace and to lead or to succeed there, you have to be one of the guys. This Mm. idea of like, what does it look like to compete with the men who are in this space to do blah, 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 whatever. First of all, I'd love to know what do women have to offer in the workplace that's unique from men? What are we bringing to the table in that space? And then also, how do you show up as your true self um, in leadership as a woman and without having to kind of bend to that influence? In and that I would sense? add to that, are there room for emotions mm-hmm. in there as a therapist? Of course, there I want to no hear for that. Emotions, yes. Aaron, we're just going to leave. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <That's okay. laughs> no. How do you feel about that? I know. <laughs> Deep question. I'll I'll answer just real briefly. So at at Nike, um, I worked mainly in uh, organizations were very male dominated, and what I found, you know, the relational side of men isn't the first thing that comes out right, but where it is with women, and a lot of these men were in executive leadership, very high powerful men. I didn't try to be one of them. Mm. I just tried to be a friend to them. Mm. Now, did that sometimes mean the first 20 sentences would have to be, I would ask them 20 questions, and I would hear all about everything to do with them. And then once you kind of ingratiate yourself, once you get to know them, then it we were all together. But I think men just in general, it's not being one. I didn't have to be one of them, but I sometimes had to lead with the 20 probing questions because it's just kind of not in their inherent nature. I mean, it's it's our nature to come up and ask 20 questions to you and feel really comfortable about it. Men aren't typically like that, and I'm not stereotyping them, but so that was that would be my answer. You don't have to be one of them. You just have to be their friend. It's just mm. it's what you were saying about you know young kids. They they're not they, your enemy. They right? they just want somebody to open up their house and throw snacks on the table, yeah. and then you're all in. That's kind of what I felt like when um, I was on the leadership team with all these guys. They just they wanted somebody to throw snacks on the table and <laughs> listen to them, and then you were all in, right? So I think I think maybe the stereotype is mm-hmm. I have to. Be, be one of them. And that is kind of a little bit of a stereotype where people think that, you know, in order to, to be in with the guys, you got to be one of the guys. But I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think you just have to, they need to feel comfortable with, um, you know, with some kind of a relationship and a friendship. Yeah. Hmm. My experience was more with mean girls. I mean, honestly, <laughs> with women who were in leadership were a little bit even tougher than men in many cases. So were you? Yeah. Yeah. So I think for all of us, like how do we not be the mean girl when Mm -hmm. as we're coming up and be somebody who's inclusive and loving and supportive Mm -hmm. and wanting to promote other women and bring them up along with us and mentor them and all of the things we've been talking about. So 100% yeah. Yeah. And I totally agree. Leading with love, no matter men, women, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. and wanting to genuinely get to know someone Somebody and understand who they are and be curious that whole curiosity thing being curious about who they are and what they stand for and learning about them and that totally um, um, my one of my strengths is wooing so it's probably just comes more naturally to me but um, when people see that they're init- they're very connected to you and want mm-hmm. to work well with you mm-hmm. I wouldn't say any more than that I mean mm-hmm. when I came to the table as a CEO the women we're more like, mm-hmm. is your husband coming to the meeting? I right. go, no, it's me. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> you got me. And you're so. blessed to have her. No. <laughs> but I think uh, men and women today are looking, I think Barna's done a study and Harvard has done a study and that we're looking for more compassionate leaders. Mm-hmm. And so women bring compassion mm-hmm. and grace mm-hmm. and hopefully and mercy to a situation and that, I think, overall, the younger generation is looking for a more compassionate listening ear. What I think that's what we bring is compassion and grace and uh, stability and that relational side of connection and help that we want to support and help everyone. You know, so I think people are looking for more of that, and that's what women bring to the table today. Mm-hmm. If we're not intimidated or think we have to be somebody else or... Um, Hopefully, we've learned enough about authenticity and mm-hmm. to be real. And um, I was going to say the biggest challenge I have is leading myself mm-hmm. each and every day. Mm-hmm. I'll be the toughest leader that I will ever lead, and it's me. Mm-hmm. And so if I can at least lead myself to the table and be that person that God has called me to be, not a wimp. I mean, I'm a very strong 
leader, and I want to bring that personality to the table, but there's a time for me to listen and to hear Mm -hmm. what men and women have to say, Mm -hmm. and then to help and to lead in those situations, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think it's all of that that we've just talked about. Well, we will provide a link to forward so that folks can avail themselves of all the resources that you have. And mm-hmm. thanks so much, yeah, I mean, such Pam, a Heidi, and Catherine for weighing in on this conversation. Super Thank helpful you. for yes. us. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Yes. Thanks, thanks for being here. Well, folks, I want to make sure that you are aware of the resource we have available this week titled The Way We Work, Taking Charge of Your Own Success. And we want to make that available to you this week for a gift of any amount to Boundless. How do you do that? You go to boundless.org, search for 820, this week's episode 820. Just click on the book cover. You give a gift to Boundless. Uh, This resource will super help you in your career aspirations, in your journey, and uh, we will send this book to you and make it our gift to you for your generous gift in return. So thank you so much for doing that. Here we are finishing out the show with our inbox, and this week is a week that I get to answer the question that came in from one of you listeners, and I will start out by reading it, and then I will take a stab at it. So here we go. Our listener says, the past two times I've gone out with girls, both of them showed kindness and respect, but said they had recently ended dating relationships only two to three months prior. I genuinely appreciate their honesty, but am uncertain about how to proceed. What's the appropriate approach for pursuing a woman who has recently come out of a relationship? Okay, well, thank you so much for writing in. Uh, Great question, because it is weird. You know, you don't want to be awkward. You want to consider timing and all of that. So um, first off, I'm going to give you kind of what might seem like a harsh assessment of what might have gone down. And that is that, you know, you mentioned I asked these girls out and they said that they'd recently ended dating relationships. Okay, that is just kind of weird. Like, this is where I feel like I I often talk to women about, ladies, I mean, your answers sometimes are just lame. Because I think what these ladies are telling you is that they're just not interested. Now, they might not be interested now. It doesn't mean that there's never any possibility, but really perhaps ever, because I think they're just trying to brush this off and use it as an excuse to say, yeah, we're really not into you. And so I would just kind of take that with a grain of salt. But at the same point, um, thinking maybe more forward of those might not have just worked out, you know, so let's go ahead and talk about this generally. Okay, I would say your first uh, consideration in making this happen is 
to first kind of, as we would say, read the room. So, for example, you might want to say, like, how long was this person's relationship? Um, At what level was the relationship? And how does she seem to be doing now? And you can find out a lot of this on your own, like if you go to the same church or in the same small group or friend group or whatever, or you may have to kind of feel it out from other people and stuff, but you just need to get the lay of the land of like what went down. You know, I mean, was this person engaged to someone and it just ended or was it just more of a casual relationship? So all of that has to be taken into consideration. Uh, Next up, I want to draw attention to the fact that you mentioned pursuing a woman. Now, I am not opposed to pursuing women. I think intentionality and making the commitment to do so and being upfront and honest about it is great. But I also want you to realize that a casual approach to this also works a lot and can work wonders for you. So I would rather encourage you to have the mindset of, you're just going to ask her on a date, okay? So, you know, again, it's not as much a what can I do in what amount of time kind of thing. I mean, you're going to just basically decide to, hey, if I can, I want to get to know her. Maybe I'm going to start a conversation. You know, don't go too fast or seem too serious about it because especially if she was attached to someone recently, you don't want to be that person that's just going to like slide into her DMs or slide into her life and be like, hey, now let's start something up just the two of us. So, um, and then I would say definitely, if you do get kind of put off, back off immediately. Uh, If you get an excuse, you know, don't be like sending her flowers and saying, hey, you know, maybe sometime in the future or whatever. So, because I will say, and again, this is a hard truth, and it's sometimes hard to accept that for the right guy, most women will get over or at least try to get over some other guy that they've been dating, you know, I mean, they're going to be willing to try again. And for some, it may take a little extra time. And that's fine. But um, she will most likely be willing to date another guy down the road. And especially if it's someone that she's interested in. And so really, your best bet is just to make the ask, but be willing to hold it loosely and move on if in fact, you need to do that. And like I said, it doesn't mean that nothing's ever going to happen. But be willing to just kind of take it casually, see what happens, and uh, again, make the ask and then be willing to move on if it doesn't really go anywhere. So hopefully that will give you some encouragement to at least try, because again, ladies who are listening, be willing to give those guys a chance. I mean, goodness gracious, this is not marriage. You are just getting to know someone. This guy could turn out to be great. And so to that point, um, always giving a guy a chance if he seems like a quality guy is going to be the odds will be in your favor in that sense. So all right, folks, well, that is it for this week's show. Again, do write to us at editor at boundless.org or you can find us on social and ask your question there. Uh, We love getting questions from you because those are the questions that we answer here on the show. And so they're probably something that someone else is asking as well. And so that's super helpful for all of us. So send in your questions again, editor at boundless.org or you can find us on Instagram or on Facebook and in the meantime I will see you around next week I'm Lisa Anderson for The Boundless Show The Boundless Show is a production of boundless.org from Focus on the Family God wants true disciples ones that think like him talk like him walk like him. Disciples that bring shalom to the chaos of this world. Pursue that path with the RVL Discipleship Series. Bible scholar Ray Vanderlaan will give you the tools to understand the Bible more deeply and inspire you to be a passionate follower of Christ. Watch the first episode at rvldiscipleship.com.